A treat for you, a treat for me. Amanda Zowie B is here. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal. I want to thank you for making us your first listen every day. Just so awe-inspiring how you guys keep showing up for us over 100,000 listens each of the last three months. And we're on track to do it again, thanks to you showing up six days a week for past, present, and future of women's basketball. And, of course, it is not just me. It is the incredible, young, talented group putting this work together at the next every single day, over a hundred recorded pieces about the sport every single month, the next $9 a month, $72 a month. We are building a place where we can talk about the game all the time. And somebody that we talk about all the time in the next Slack and in our coverage is the great Amanda Zowie B who is joining us today here on the podcast here with the fever with just like a, a killer hoodie, by the way, we we're talking about off the air before we got here, but <laughs> you look very comfortable. You look very much at home right away here. So kind of take me through, like, what are the top lines of what it's been like since, you know, so our listeners know uh, you were acquired from the Washington Mystics and, you know, what that's been like for you over these past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, the first couple of days were definitely a whirlwind. Um, honestly, I had no idea the trade was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, my agent called and then within, she called and said there's a possibility and then within 20 minutes she called and was like, yeah, the trade happened and, you know, you go in Indiana and then I spoke to coach and, and Lynn and they were like, you can stay in DC because we're coming to play them. So my first game was actually against DC, which was very weird. Sure. Um, hadn't gotten to know the girls before I played with them. And, you know, then we had a couple games and we went to All-Star break. Um, so it was kind of like, I'm still very new. Um, but I'm really enjoying myself, to be honest. And I feel that I'm surrounded by great people. Mm-hmm. and um, a group that's eager to get better and learn and just become great together. It's interesting to me. You know, obviously it wasn't a trade that was long in discussion before it happened, to be sure. But it also makes a lot of sense when, whenever, and we've had Lynn on the show so many times and had her again last week, where, you know, look, there are teams that talk about culture and there are teams that, care about culture and in terms of, you know, making sure it's the right people for this fit over and over again, when people bring you in, it is with that idea. I I guess, I wonder what it means to you that that is a, the way you conduct yourself as a, as a player and a person, but B that, you know, people come to understand that that is what they get when they bring in Amanda's alley B to play. Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, 
That's a great compliment, obviously. But I think the greatest compliment is that it goes to how my parents raised me, right? Um, they're my backbone and they're my front and my side. Um, and it just makes me proud that I can make them proud in that way. Mm-hmm. And just know that, you know, I always said that my purpose on earth is not being whatever, a lawyer, a basketball player, whatever the case might be, but rather being a human that brings light and love to others. I've always said that. So having others see that and value that means a lot. Mm -hmm. It means like a lot, a lot to me. Doing it here, doing it with the team that Listen, you you know this lead from the inside out. It feels like they are on the cusp. Is that what it feels like inside that locker room right now when you're seeing them out on the court? Like this is a team that is about to make the leap? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that we have all the right pieces um, to build something very special. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this team been missing experience. Um, they have a lot of, we have a lot of young players on the team. Um, and I'm not that player that has played the most games and, you know, the greatest player ever. We all know this, but I've been around. Um, I've been in multiple different locker rooms. So I can bring that, you know, experience um, on how to just kind of conduct yourself, like on the court, like when to slow down, when to went to speed it up, and that's something I think we saw yesterday, yesterday's game. Yeah. Uh, with 90 seconds to go, Washington went on a run on us, and there was a timeout, and I was like, okay, everybody, let's let's just take a deep breath. Like, we, we, we have this under control, but as long as we stay together and we just execute and, and we don't rush anything, we will walk away with a win. And I was talking to coach after the game and she was like, that's exactly what I brought you in. Just to be that voice of calming, I guess, with experience. Was that the idea? I, I mean, she's saying that after the fact, but I'm just wondering for you, does that got to be a, a delicate situation, a delicate balance? You're in a new place. It's 90 seconds to go in a game. You know, how do you decide when to talk? How do you decide when to um shout on the court the way you know the cameras caught you doing yesterday uh in yeah his- well just to say about that when I was like shouting and stuff after that one shot yeah for me that was to see that ball go in was like I broke whatever block been in front of me right everyone knows I can shoot everyone knows that I'm a solid player but I've I've been struggling I'm and it's it's the truth. And to see that ball go in at that time, it was like I told everyone like that was just like I guess it was like a yell or a scream of like finally, like I felt good about it. And then I remember turning around to the bench because Washington took a timeout and I saw all of my teammates. Coach was damn near running out on the court. And it just felt like, all right, this is great. Like, I feel good about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm always, I've always been the person who speaks up, right? You know this. Like, I'm never really going to sit quiet. 
Um, and I'm always always going to speak up on what I feel, how I see things, and, and what is right. And I did that the first game in Washington um, when we played against Washington. Um, I spoke up after the game, and you know I addressed a couple of things. And um, Victoria Saxon and Aaliyah, they were like, "Thank you. Like we haven't had that, right?" But it's just, that's just who I am. It's not so much about thinking about how or when or who's in the room. Mm -hmm. I did it in Washington. I did it when I played in LA, New York, right? So it's just who I am because I always want to see those who are around me to be successful. It's, I, I mean, it is not, to my mind, an accident that Indiana played a bunch of close games but didn't pull them out, and you were there and they played a close game and did pull it out. So I, I that that did not seem like a coincidence to me. Um, I, I do want to talk a little more Indiana and a little more big picture, um, but just, you know, in terms of D.C., and I know it's been, uh, let's say, a, a, a rocky road from a WNBA perspective over the last couple of years. And, you know, to be in D.C. and to suddenly and unexpectedly leave, you know, just kind of take me through how you process that you obviously, you have practice from other moves, but like, you know, what was that moment like? And, um, you know, how did you navigate that of like, you know, these these players who were your teammates and suddenly they're on the other side? Yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm, I'm a very, I'm, I wear my emotions on my sleeves and I'm very in tune with my emotions and my feelings. So <clears throat> when the trade did happen, um, I went emotionally first. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, wow, like DC is the first team that I've played for where I felt safe, where the love and the respect was genuine across the board, right? Um, we all know I went in with KT and, and Slim and I played with them in, in LA and we are like the three amigas. Um, so I already knew I had my safe space with them. But then coming into a locker room where I really found family mm -hmm. and people that will be in my life forever um, and the trade happening so fast, that was the hardest part. Because, yeah. you know, I had my certain people that I'm like morning hugs every single day, like, you know. Um, but as far as basketball-wise mm -hmm. in my career, I think this was the greatest move. Uh, for me to just find myself and and just be me without any kind of doubt. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to separate that right away. Um, and, you know, my teammates, when I, right when I got traded in D.C., they called, they messaged, and they were like, are you okay? Mm. And that's the beauty of that team, of those human beings on there that – they generally care for you as a person. And that was hard because you don't come around that often, right? It was the first time I've been in a healthy locker room um, in all my years of a pro. Um, but then quick turnaround and I meet the girls in the lobby in the sea of the hotel and I felt love right away. Mm -hmm. And the ones I didn't see that night because I came in very late, um, came up and hugged on the bus before shoot around. 
And it was like, okay, you guys are making this transition so easy and so smooth. And I, I generally appreciate that. I appreciate people just showing love mm-hmm. and allowing themselves to get to know me and excuse me, and allowing me to get to know them. I, um, I just love every part of that, both, both the fact that, you know, I, and, and again, this is obvious, like for your career to be this veteran presence, uh, you know, to my mind, I've covered this lead a minute, you know, you, you'll get to do that as long as you want to do it because right. a role for that, that is necessary in this lead, but also just both sides of it. All right. We, we've got more that I, I want to talk about with that, um, you know, bigger picture, your arc as well. Um, first, want to talk about uh, FanDuel, who has a really interesting offer for our listeners. You take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and you get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. So you bet $20, you land 200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200. You can spend betting anything from the money line to over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run of a particular game. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to get up to $200 in bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. So it, in segment two, I, I want to go bigger picture first and talk about the Amanda Zowie career arc, okay? And so I need, as a point of personal privilege, to take it back to 2015. Um, we talked a lot in the next Slack about draft day fits. Um, oh, God. I have made the argument that your 2015 draft day fit is the best in the history of the league. And there is a lot of support for it. I'm wondering how you feel about that, whether you think I'm off base about it um, or if you think that there's something to it and just the way in which that draft night, you know, how you think about it now with all that has followed with the career that you've had. Oh God. Okay. I did not expect that. I thought you were going to roast my outfit. <laughs> oh, Okay, so talk about the fit itself. I just um, mean, I, I, you know, you look back now, would you do it differently? I'm absolutely. You, you would. Okay, all right. Oh, yes. So I think that... <laughs> it was so good. It was so great. You think I'm wrong here? Listen, I could be wrong. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, God, yeah, that was, you know, that was who I was at that time. Um and I loved bow ties at the point of my life. And I felt very comfortable wearing that. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing, you know, that I appreciate about that outfit is that I was comfortable. Right. And that's all you want to be when you're getting drafted and get up on stage. Right. Well, would I wear it today? No. I wear something completely different. Sure. Um, but I also think that represents the, you know, the growth and 
yeah, of my career and how my journey been, mm -hmm. right? I started off one way and I am completely different than what I was in 2015, both on and off the court. And I think that it's just been a beautiful journey. It hasn't always been the way I wanted it to go, but it's definitely been a beautiful, beautiful journey that I'm so extremely grateful for. And I'm really grateful that that is not my style anymore. <laughs> that is all wonderful to hear. I will, I will say further, right? I think it meant something in a larger sense too, right? That oh, absolutely. On draft night. And, and, and if you had, for the listeners, if you haven't seen it or you don't remember, I remember I was there, but you like, if you don't remember, like check it out, you know, and just, and just Google it to be able to see, but it, it was part of a sea change of players being able to dress up and wear what was comfortable for mm. them at the same time. And it wasn't fitting into a particular box the way we had seen so much of the time for the WNBA. And that's why, that's why it resonates for me. That's why I think it resonates for so many people, um, yeah. you know, as, as well. But I also like, I think back to that time and the WNBA draft was like a totally different feel, right? It was almost this like, like backyard feel at the time, right? You know, it was not, Yeah, it wasn't big time in that same way. And I wonder how you feel about it. Do you, does it feel, uh, does it feel like you were at the part of the beginning of something uh, in that experience? Do you wish that you had been part of like what it felt like in 2023? You know, just how, how do you process that when you look back? Yeah, no, I think it's amazing what draft night has become and what it is now it's very glam it's you know it's very it's very cool right mm -hmm. um and i honestly think i wouldn't i wouldn't be as comfortable in today's draft mm -hmm. as i was then only because i am pretty reserved um but yeah it was it was kind of backstage but i liked it it was intimate and it was just a beautiful evening of celebrating everyone's achievements and new chapters starting. And I think it's also like the it was the beginning of the draft becoming bigger, right? Mm -hmm. Both me and Jewel, we, we left school early. Right. So that was also something that was new. Um, but we also found ourselves. Like that was the beginning of adulthood, I think, where we were trying to figure ourselves out. Um, and I think in today's, I so, I'm gonna sound old when I say this, but in today's generation, right? Mm -hmm. These players and people are expected to grow up so fast and there's so much more on the table for them. So therefore I think that the glamorous and the flashiness of the draft now suits them so well I love looking at the outfits hearing what they got to say you know they got the jewelry the heels the dress like everything is just on point mm -hmm. and I love that because they most most of the time they know exactly who they are right they walk on the orange carpet and they like no this is who I am and this is my brand and I love that. And it's helping the game grow for us, the ones 
the ones that paved the way. <laughs> it sounds like I'm so old, but yeah. it was nine years ago. So I'm you're, about to you're say Listen, you're not allowed to be old because I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember, like we're talking orange carpet. And you remember what the orange carpet was at the 2015 draft. It was like backstage at Mohegan. And it was just like players taking off their shoes and running back and forth because <laughs> it was late in the night and we're just having fun. You know, I remember it yeah. so clearly. And, and yeah, now it's like. It's, it's a whole event. It's a flashy yeah. event. And I love it's it awesome. because it's like you get to see people's like personalities and brands and, and with the game growing now, you have all of these sponsorships like mm -hmm. this is what we want. So we look at it and we see exactly who we want. And I just love it so much. I just think that at that time, I wouldn't have been ready for it. Because mm -hmm. I'm kind of like awkward. So I would have probably just stood in the corner with my mom. I uh, I don't think I listen, yeah. You sold yourself short as a player. I've just I just completed a book manuscript where I'm going through your Minnesota years and you, you had 29 rebounds in a game. Hey, you like we're you know, I, I I'm I can't let that pass. I'm sorry, you know, like like I, I've been witness to a lot of the things you have done on the court so we're just we're, we're not gonna let that go but i'm just saying the other part of it like you and rachel banham back <laughs> in 2015 like in the nil years can you imagine what that would have been like like you guys would have blown up i would have been so rich <laughs> i'm saying it's just it's yeah it, it's it's a mixed it's got to be a mixed feeling right at some level Oh, no, for sure. Like, yeah. obviously, we would love to make money and, you mm -hmm. know, having all of these deals at that age. So it's like, okay, it's like not jealousy. It's more so like, oh, dang. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's a reason for everything. And um, one of my favorite quotes is, um, or interviews is one about Marley's asked, like his whoever interviewed him was like, but you are rich. And he said, rich in what? Right? I'm rich. I am super rich in knowledge, love, and light and positivity. And there's nothing that can take that away from me, right? And that's what I've gained throughout these years. Obviously, I've made a lot of money and I'm still making money playing overseas, playing in the WNBA and having a great support cast that makes sure that I don't just spend my money. We saving and we building. Um, so yeah, riches, richness, richness come in different shape and forms. Um, but yeah, I think I'm happy with my journey. Good. That is still journeying, if that's the word. And and, and there's plenty to come. There's plenty. Oh, right. To come. And, and and so that's that's where I want to kind of take it full circle, um, because I know and we've talked about this other times, too. But like finding that joy in WNBA life and um, it shouldn't be the case that it takes until 2023 to be in a healthy locker room. There there needs to be that needs to change. Right. And and so I guess what I'm wondering from you is. The fact that you had it in D.C. and you have it here in Indiana, do you feel as if there is more accountability 
not universally, but more throughout the league? Do you feel as if joy in WNBA life is something that is not universal yet, but is it more common than it was? That is a great question. I don't know how it is in other locker rooms, to be honest. Um, you know, I have friends in probably every team and everyone's are happy. Um, and it's not, I'm not saying this to talk down on any other team that I've been on. Sure. But going into D.C. made me uncomfortable because it was so healthy that I had to sit back and really tell myself, like, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. You're supposed to have clear communication. You're supposed to get to know your teammates off the court. There's real, genuine, and true love amongst them. And that's what I mean with healthy relation or a healthy locker room, like it is here in Indy. There's a beautiful, beautiful energy in the locker room, right? And and you feel it and and if I, I think me making that shot, and it wasn't the game-winning shot, it was just a shot in the fourth quarter, but seeing how my teammates reacted, and I've only been here for three seconds, that's love, right? And it's not like that everywhere. Yeah. And I get it, the WNBA, it could be very stressful. We don't we have 12 teams. There's only so many spots on each team, right? Um, so it is stressful. Everyone trying to win games. Everyone wants to play. There's always that one superstar, you know. Um, but this year been good to me. Yeah. It, it's been good to my mental health. And, I, and I'm very grateful for that. Well, if you'll forgive a point of personal privilege, there is not a person in this league who deserves that more than you. And so I am delighted. I cannot wait to tell all the stories still to come because there's a lot yes. still to come. So to our listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of what we do uh, every single day. The great Jackie Powell will be taking you tomorrow. And of course, the WNBA draft crew on Saturday will be with you as well. So until next time, uh, I am Howard Megdahl for Lockdown Women's Basketball, wishing all of you a wonderful Thursday. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball.